Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. We are your co-hosts. And today we are so excited to welcome back to the podcast one of our favorite past guests and a listener favorite as well, Sister Lori Newbold. So Lori, welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm so, so happy to be here. Yes. We're happy you're here too. We've been really looking forward to this. Thank you. So as a brief introduction for those who haven't listened to previous episodes with Lori, in addition to serving on the Young Women General Advisory Council, Lori is also employed by the church as the worldwide director of training services for seminaries and institutes of religion. She worked as a seminary teacher for many years and served as one of the program's first female principals. She also has a master's degree in mental health counseling and practice therapy for eight years. As we mentioned, Lori joined us last year in 2020 for several episodes, one sharing her experiences working for seminaries and institutes and also as a mental health counselor, and another episode sharing some fantastic tips for improving our study of the scriptures. So we will link to both of those episodes in the show notes so that people can listen or listen again because they were really great. So we invited Lori back today because we have loved talking with her so much, and we knew that she could help us with a special episode to kind of turn our thoughts to Christ at Christmas time. So we're excited for our conversation today about the topic of receiving. And with that, we'll just jump right in. Lori, at this time of year, we often talk about the joy of giving. We read that it is more blessed to give than receive and that God loveth the cheerful giver. But there's also something very important about being a good receiver, which is what we would love to talk to you about today. Can you tell us about what got you thinking about the importance of receiving and why is it on your mind at Christmas time? I'm happy to. I think to your point, as being members of the Church of Jesus Christ, and even if you're not— I think we love to give. Mm-hmm. I think there's something inherent in our spirits that just loves to give. I think it's the godlike attribute that many of us are born with. And especially women who were taught in the family proclamation that their role is to nurture. <laughs> so nurture requires giving. So I'm 40 years old and still single, which was not the dream all along, which I think we talked about last <laughs> time. So spoiler alert. But <laughs> One time, I finally decided to sit down and start to write out the blessings of being single, some things that I have learned, so that I wouldn't be so frustrated and angry about my circumstance. That's a whole nother story, so we're not going to go there today. But I will tell you this, that one of the things that the Spirit taught me as I went through that exercise was that I have learned to be a good receiver because I have to depend on people. Like I own my own home, and there are things that I just do not know how to do. My life with work and calling is very busy. And so there's even times in my ministering assignment where I've needed to serve my ministering sister and literally time has been the issue. So I've called my sister and said, hey, my ministering sister had surgery. Can you make dinner so that I can take it over? And she's like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I have the best sister in the whole wide world. But she does stuff like that for me all the time. So as I started to like step back and look, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really become a good receiver though, because Mm -hmm. I've had to, and I've had to learn to ask for help instead of just give it and to be grateful for it instead of feeling weak like we often do. I think that sometimes in the gospel or in life, we seem like we think we lack faith or we're not strong enough to do things, whatever, if we have to ask for help. 
there's always this competition of balancing principles, right? Mm -hmm. And one that feels better because of that quote is it's more blessed to give than to receive. I think we often then therefore assume that receiving is not good as well. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the law of heaven, if we're not good receivers, we're not going to make it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, in this talking about receiving, I'm thinking about people in my life who have either temporary or ongoing health challenges Mm -hmm. or emotional or mental challenges. It's kind of hard for them to flip their mind to then be able to receive. And I think that that's just such an important concept and can open up so many opportunities and so many blessings. But Lori, will you just share with us, what does that mean to receive, just so we can have a better point of reference? Yeah, definitely. In my study of this, looked up the definition. And one of my favorite dictionaries, I think I mentioned this last time, is the 1828 dictionary, because it's the scripture language, the time that Joseph would have been using it, and receive as a scripture word. So I just looked up, I really like this, is to take as a thing offered or sent or to accept or to embrace. And to me, even embracing is a step above acceptance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think to me, receiving fits under those types of things of being able to embrace, especially when it comes from God, but even through his children, because it's coming from him. When we're in the service of our fellow beings, we're only in the service of God. If we're on the receiving end of that, then therefore we're receiving God's acts. And so it's an evidence of his love, not just somebody else's. And it's a way that we see him. Kind of flipping that scripture a little bit on the other side, on the receiving end, which we don't often do. Yeah. That's a really neat way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I think let's go right into talking about receiving in a gospel context. So how does receiving relate to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And what does it mean to receive in that context? Yeah, I think that's really good. I actually really love a quote, too, by Elder Fonji Featherstone. It was back in 1975. But he makes a statement to that point of it's far more difficult to be a Christ-like recipient than it is to be a Christ-like giver. Mm. And I think that's uh, an evidence of how this can be challenging. But the Lord teaches us. So let's think just for a minute about ordinances. That's maybe my favorite place to start. But when the confirmation, the actual language is to receive the Holy Ghost. And I thought before, like, I'm like, is this a commandment? Is this just direction? But that's when we're given the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the language that is used. When we participate in ordinances in the temple, the word receive is used in lots of different contexts Mm -hmm. uh and different experiences. And so it's very clear that the Lord wants to give us some things. And again, it's kind of funny because we're all praying and asking for things. And therefore, if Heavenly Father is going to answer our prayers, we have to be recipients of His answers (laughs) or His Mm -hmm. blessings in the way that He chooses to give them. And so I think that that's another space that sometimes we look at. The Savior offered is the language the Scripture uses Himself as a sacrifice. And even in that, our Father in Heaven models, He receives the Savior's offering of a sinless and perfect sacrifice. And then when we repent of our sins and we're going through the process of changing and growth, we receive the ordinance of the sacrament. But I've thought about this a lot as a female who never blesses it, who never passes it. My experience on Sunday is to receive what Heavenly Father has given me. And we literally eat it and drink it, like put it in our bodies. And to me, that's kind of the more the language of embracing it. Mm-hmm. 
rather than just taking it. I love the idea of embracing what the Savior's offered me in his sacrifice. In my years of working with people, I've met a lot of people that's very difficult for them to receive the Savior's atonement, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his kindness, to receive his generosity. And we ask for it, but then we don't want to believe him when he says it, or we don't want to allow ourselves to feel it because we think we should punish ourselves. I don't really know what happens, but I know I felt it. Well, and I just keep thinking that to receive something is very different than to earn something. Mm. And I think sometimes I think, well, I have to earn this. I have to do something, and in exchange, God will give me this. But there are so many things in the gospel. You know, we know we are all beggars. (laughs) We all depend on God. We don't earn these things. We might ask for them, and he gives them, and then we have to receive them. And that's the light bulb happening in my head right now. (laughs) No, it's really good. It's so beautiful to me. It's just changing my whole perspective, too, that I'm just replacing receive with embrace. And so it's embracing blessings, embracing help and assistance, embracing all of these things. And it just makes it so much more meaningful. Like you're talking about the sacrament when we embrace the sacrament. We embrace the covenant that we've made, you know, and all of these opportunities. Every time you say receive, I'm just switching it with embrace, and it's really helping me. Somehow we've developed this super weird cultural norm of exchange, like you just said, Um, this weird space where if somebody gives you a gift, you feel like you have to give one back to them. Yes, Mm -hmm. or a compliment. Like, I give you a compliment, you give me one back. Yeah, or I don't accept your compliment. Yes. I don't Mm -hmm. receive it. (laughs) Yes. Like you say to me, wow, Lori, that's a really pretty shirt. (laughs) Oh, like this old thing? We reject. Yeah, Yeah. we do. We have this shame shield almost around us where we can't allow somebody to receive. And and you know what it's like to give somebody a compliment and have them not accept it. And then you're like, well, I think I meant it sincerely. Thank you for making this awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I just wanted to say something nice because I thought Because I actually think it. Yeah. And I have learned to just say thank you. Mm -hmm. Even if I, like, at first don't believe their comment, thank you. Because they're offering me something. Lori, as in all things, Jesus Christ is the perfect example of being a good receiver. Mm-hmm. Will you just share with us some examples from Scripture about what we can learn from the Savior's example of receiving? There's a couple. But let's start with Luke chapter 7, if we can. It's his example of receiving from a woman, which I think makes it beautiful. But with this being a Latter-day Saint women podcast. With our audience <laughs> in mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the phrase I was looking for. Thank you. Audience in mind. <laughs> All of you beautiful friends who I've prayed for and asked the Lord to help me see and feel you today. So thank you for listening in the first place. But it's sweet because Simon's a Pharisee who invites the Savior to come and have dinner with him. And and I want you to picture this experience. So we're going to start in verse 36. And it says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went out to the Pharisee's house and sat down at meat. So I want you to imagine you just walked into somebody's house who invited you to dinner. It's not that strange, right? But then think about what happens in verse 37. (laughs) Behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. This woman has not been invited to dinner. She just shows up. (laughs) And I don't even know if she knows Simon. We don't know if she knows him or like any type of relationship, but it didn't matter to her. I love that line in verse 37 when she knew that Jesus was there. That's all she cared about. I just can't fathom just showing up to somebody's house and just walking (laughs) in. 
And then not just showing up to dinner, but what she does, which is this beautiful thing in verse 38. Carly, do you want to read for us verse 38? Mm -hmm. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So again, imagine this experience for just a minute. She doesn't say a word. She just wants to be with him and kneels down and begins to give this offering. So in verse 39, as you can imagine, Simon's a little bit saying, hey, what's going on? In his mind, if he knew who she was, he would know who it is that's touching him. For verse 39, the end, for she's a sinner. So then Jesus answering him, Simon, I have, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. And then, Shalane, do you want to just read verses 41 and 42? Definitely. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him most. Okay, how would you answer this if you're Simon? I mean, it seems obvious that the one who owed more would be more grateful and have more love. And that's what Simon says in 43. Well, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. Yeah. And the Savior says, thou hast rightly judged. And then 44 I just think about the validation that comes from mm-hmm. this woman. I wonder in our day if that happens. I think we'd be like, no, no, you don't need to do that. Thank you. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Like, I got this, or I think we're okay. Can you imagine Savior saying to her as she comes with this offering, I think I'm good, but if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> sort of moment. You know, my feet are fine. I mean, yeah, they're a little dirty, but we'll be okay. Like, all the things that we say, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He just lets her, and then he receives her more fully in 44. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, which is interesting to me, he turns to the woman and says unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman... Since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. He says it to Simon, and now verse 48, And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. So let me ask you, what did you learn about receiving in that exchange between the Savior and this woman? I'm kind of thinking it doesn't matter what your feelings are about receiving. I feel like if you're not a good receiver, that can indicate selfishness almost. So I'm just saying, disregard your own feelings and let people give to you. Selfishness in what way? Like, what, what are you thinking of that? Well, I was just thinking, what if Christ was, oh, don't even worry about it. Like, I'm good. That just robs her of this beautiful opportunity to express herself, to give of herself. Give of herself. I feel like she's repenting in a lot of ways as she's coming to him. And if he would have done that, it would be like inadvertently selfish <laughs> mm. <laughs> to just take this opportunity away from her. 
I don't know if this directly relates to receiving, but I think what's so striking about this story is this home is full of men who completely question who Jesus is, what he's about. And then you have a woman who completely and wholeheartedly believes in the Savior and his mission and his power. I mean, she is giving to him, but she also believes in what he can give her. Yeah, it's beautiful. He also believes in what she can give her. So in this moment, how do you think him receiving affects their relationship? I feel like when people receive what you're trying to give, it makes your relationship more open to do that in the future. And then I feel like it builds trust and it builds gratitude and Mm -hmm. intimacy and all of those things. Because it is pretty vulnerable to give and it can be vulnerable Mm -hmm. to receive. Mm -hmm. So when people both demonstrate those things, then yeah, you're building a relationship, like Shailen said. So good. And I love that power and that experience in there. To all the things you just said, what kind of relationship is now developing for them? What does she feel or think about him after this moment? Did she have some fear or trepidation going into this? Was she nervous about how he might receive it or if he would or what he would do with it? I don't know, questions that I find myself asking and wondering a little bit because I like to wonder, we know that. (laughs) (laughs) And I wonder sometimes just to jumping from the Savior to like some of my relationships of, I love that you use the word intimacy because I think that intimacy is not reserved just for a husband and wife. Sexual intimacy is. Mm -hmm. But intimacy uh, ought to exist in a lot of our relationship, including Mm -hmm. mine with God. Mm -hmm. In fact, just really, can we just jump a couple chapters over to a really yeah. intimate moment that the Lord's really kind of let us see? In Luke 22, which is another example of the Savior receiving, he's in Gethsemane and he's just pled for the cup to be removed from him. And said in verse 42, says one of our favorite lines, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I love verse 43 where it shows him receiving. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now we know the prophets have taught us that angel is Adam. So you think about as they go into that experience for just a minute, what if the Savior says, no, 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 I got this. I don't need your help right now, Adam. But it seems as though he needed strength beyond his own and Heavenly Father sent Adam to do it. And the Savior receives him. So much so that in verse 44, he's still in agony, even with Adam having come to him. And what does he do? He prays more earnestly. And then it tells us he begins to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground, uh, to Joseph Smith translation. But I think that one of the things that comes in thinking about this today are relationships. And as listeners, if you can just think of a relationship right now that maybe you're struggling with, And think, can you look back and see if that person has tried to give you anything that you haven't been willing to receive? And what would change in your relationship if you were to receive their offering, even if it's not what you think you need or it's not what you want, if they're trying to give some part of themselves, what would happen there as well? I think you just hit it right on the head because I think in so many relationships, we know what we want from a relationship or from someone and maybe that isn't what they give us, but they give us something else that's really heartfelt and sincere. Mm -hmm. And we're like, no, 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 that's not what I want. I want this. And 
that's a whole other conversation about communication, but also accepting those sincere, heartfelt gifts using your word we can and should embrace. And that draws us closer together in those relationships. And I think about your relationship with Heavenly Father, too. He's giving to us and it's not always what we planned on or what we wanted. <laughs> yeah. But what comes from embracing that? Well, girl, to your point, the thought that just came to my mind that I hadn't thought of before, I think that's a key in submission. Because to your point, Heavenly Father's giving us things all the time. We may not want some of them, but that's part of the submission process is receiving what He gives us. And when we receive it, then we're able to handle what's in front of us or to be able to go forward with His plan. And then we find out that it's way better than anything that we <laughs> could have imagined. Now, I don't know that's always the case with a husband or with kids. <laughs> I don't know that what they offered, the gift itself is always way better. But if we can move past looking at the gift or moving past looking at the offering to the offerer. Mm -hmm. And the intention. Yes, exactly. That's a better word. Then I think that that's the space where we can feel love grow inside of us. Like, even though you don't know exactly what I need, and to your point, maybe I haven't communicated it well, or you didn't hear me, you're trying to give me, and if you're trying to give to me and I'm trying to give to you, we can figure it out. In fact, I think one of the most common complaints I hear about parents with teenagers is kids going silent, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they feel like they're trying to pull from them. And I often find myself thinking, are there other ways that they're trying to give to you that you're not receiving, that if you received those other things, they might open up their mouths and speak to you more. And I've asked that, and I've given parents that challenge before in the past in different ways. I don't know that I put it in this context today, but they've seen doors open as kids have done other things, maybe beyond verbal communication. Mm -hmm. That's a great suggestion. One of my favorite quotes from Elder Uchtdorf's talk, by the way, it's his Christmas devotional in 2012. I think it's titled Good and Grateful Receivers. But he says that every gift that is offered to us, especially a gift that comes from the heart, is an opportunity to build or strengthen a bond of love. When we are good and grateful receivers, we open a door to deepen our relationship with the giver of the gift. But when we fail to appreciate or even reject a gift, we not only hurt those who extend themselves to us, but in some way we harm ourselves as well. Hmm. It would be fun for you to stop and think for a minute. If I had to use one word to describe myself as a receiver, what would it be? Or if I had to rank myself on a scale of one thing, like, I don't want to answer that. And, wanna... and you don't have to. So I'm not, but a little self-reflection because he uses good and grateful as descriptions. Mm -hmm. Or if I had to rank myself on a scale of one to 10, 10 being super grateful and really gracious and one being don't ever offer me anything. Where would you put yourself? Where would you put the Savior and our Father in heaven? A good thing to think about. Definitely. Yeah. Lori, continuing our discussion of examples in the scripture, you've spent some time looking at characters in the Christmas story, in the story of Christ's birth, in relation to this idea of receiving. We'd love for you to teach us more about what you learned from these people in the scriptures. Yeah, perfect. In preparation for this podcast, I had never gone through the Christmas stories in these ways. So to think about this topic that the Lord had already brought to mind and then kind of say, read through this lens for a minute. And then to see so many models of incredible receiving experiences. So should we start with Mary because she's Mary? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. In Luke chapter 1, I really love and appreciate this experience with Mary. And I've tried to fathom to some degree, which I really just can't. 
in verse 28, she receives the angel and ultimately she receives the Lord's will. So Carly, do you want to read 28 for us? Sure. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Can you imagine for a second having an angel come and say this to you? No. Mm -mm. Especially put yourself in your teenage years, by the way. I don't know how many prayers I've offered asking Heavenly Father, are you okay with me? Are we good? Am I where I'm supposed to be right now? In fact, I did this just this past weekend. I just said, Heavenly Father, am I doing what you want me to do? And she receives this comment from an angel. In verse 29, naturally, when she saw him, she was troubled. <laughs> that is saying. And cast her mind, what manner of salutation should this be? Of course, like, uh, I've never had an angel come to me before. What do I do? Right? Like, <laughs> What's protocol for yeah. receiving an angel? <laughs> exactly. But I love that it's a faithful question. And then the angel, again, because God is so kind, fear not, which is receiving. She receives this from him and believes him. Okay. Comfort. Mm -hmm. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And then she received her mission. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. It's phenomenal to me, first off, that she even receives the Lord's will, an essential call or mission to her for her life. P.S. Mary's psalm, her mm -hmm. praise, mm -hmm. is a really fun study. So at the end of Luke 1, if you have some time this Christmas season, I would invite you to go read her praise after receiving this from the Lord how she praises him for it. So Luke 2 comes, and we have a quick example. The shepherds receive instruction from an angel. Hey, you're out in the flock doing your job. P.S., guess what happens tonight? A savior of the world is bored. Go find him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they go. That's receiving, you know. <laughs> but then they go and they come to the manger, and Mary's just given birth. Like, put yourself in the hospital. You just had a baby. How many visitors would you like? And who would you like them to be? You both had babies. Did you have strangers come and visit besides the nurses? No, sure didn't. And what if they just wanted to come in and be like, hey, can we look at your baby? She gives birth like a woman. It's not like her birth was a magical, <laughs> you know, just like, oh, look, there he is. I mean, she goes through labor and has the experience, and she receives she has a witness, obviously, of who Jesus Christ is, but she receives visitors. That's phenomenal to me. Mm -hmm. And then more visitors, not the night of the birth, right? This is often most of our nativities are painted wrong. <laughs> uh, the wise men come a couple of years later. So Matthew 2, they follow, which, by the way, another incredible thing, because what do they receive? They receive direction from a star, and then they receive direction in a dream so that their lives are spared to not go back to Jerusalem and visit Herod, to go a different way. And they listen and they receive direction. It's an interesting question to ask yourself. Lots of us want blessings from the Lord. Are we as willing to receive direction as we are blessings from him? Hmm. And there's a lot of people in the story receiving directions. It's not, hey, how would you feel about go and do this? So anyway, in chapter 2 tells us verse 9, it says that, behold, there was a young child, and they come into the house, 
They saw the young child and Mary, his mother. So she was there when they come and fell down and worshiped him, the Savior. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Can you imagine Mary at this moment? Oh, he doesn't need those. He has plenty of toys. But thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, wait, these aren't toys. Well, we definitely don't need gold. We're okay. (laughs) We're okay right now. Things are not abundant, but we're making it. So thank you so much for your offer to help us, but don't worry about us. Thanks for coming across the continent or whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Mary allows, again, what does it do for these wise men who've traveled to find the Christ child? And then have the chance to kneel down and worship him and offer their praise. What happens in their relationship with their Savior in that moment? Because Mary allows them and receives what they're offering to Jesus. Well, I'm just thinking probably a huge blessing came because they felt very validated in following the direction that they received. Mm. So I think of that in the context of receiving gifts from people or, or things that they're giving you you could be validating their direction from the Spirit and helping them be confident in following those promptings in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like a morphing we go through. When we're little, we're grateful for anything. We're mm-hmm. happy with clothes at Christmas toys. Like, we don't care. It's just like, well, where are we getting all these from? So fun to receive. <laughs> and then we go through this age where we start making a list of demands, otherwise known as requests, a Christmas list, <laughs> whatever it is, right? Somehow we teach our kids to start saying Tell us what you need and what you want. And then disappointment comes every Christmas morning when most of us got at least one or two or five of the 400 gifts, (laughs) right? And we didn't get the others. So then for some reason, we go through this phase of life where we start to only focus on what we don't have. And not every home does it, but a lot. I think this is a pretty typical pattern, right? And then we get to a phase as we get a little bit older and we realize it's not about the gift. The gift itself as far as what the content is. I don't need anything. I'm blessed. I'm just grateful for you. But then almost sometimes I've had parents or relatives or people who have said, don't give me any gifts, which says to me, I'm denying you an opportunity to give. And I'll say, you don't get to tell me if I give you a gift or not. Like, who do you think you are? (laughs) Right? Which is evidence of not being a good receiver. You tell people, don't give me gifts. Don't give me anything. Just come. Just be you. I appreciate those sentiments, but you don't get to tell me (laughs) if I get to give because giving does something for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it strengthens our, and if you'll receive and say thank you, and I don't care if I'm giving you the fifth dish that you have that matches that, you embrace that because you embrace me. Mm -hmm. And who cares about the dish? Mm -hmm. But we get through that phase where it's one or two of one, we become really gracious. We're just grateful for anything they do because we have what we need. Or we become blockers. And I think sometimes that actually spiritually parallels as well for us. In our relationship with our Heavenly Father, there's a reason he talks about childlike faith and becoming as a child. Children typically are pretty good receivers. My ultimate outcome and desire is to be like Heavenly Father. So in that way, I think I'm submissive to His will. I'm overall striving to do everything. But it's within the little asks of him or the little commandments or redirect that aren't what I thought that I really struggled being a good receiver. Give me eternal life. While I know I'm imperfect, Jesus Christ did what he did. I trust that. And we're both working towards there. We're on the same page for the eternal outcome. It's the short-term ones, Heavenly Father, that I don't really like what you're doing sometimes, what your methods are or what the attempt is. 
at the same time, if that's the little gift that's going to help me accomplish the big one, then this is the best thing that you could ever do for me. And I have got to receive with joy that direction or that assurance that comes from him too. And then in that moment, I do need to shift my mindset to embrace how grateful I am, Father, for what you just gave me, even though it's maybe not what I expected or even asked for. It was not on my Christmas list, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. But I need it, and you know that. Can I just share one more that I loved from the Christmas story that really impressed me? And that was the story of Zacharias. Because when the Lord sends an angel to Zacharias, it's this funny exchange which I can totally relate with the human side of Zacharias where he's like, we're too old for this. Like, there's no way there's <laughs> no way my wife is going to get pregnant with a prophet. Are you kidding? He didn't say it like that. But anyway, I could just put myself in this exchange and I can totally appreciate while he would have a hard time receiving this direction or miracle. And so the angel says, great, so you're struck dumb. <laughs> and in the spirit of that, Zacharias doesn't know for how long. We have the luxury of reading back in the story and look on how long it is, but he goes for a while. And I've wondered about what happened and what type of repentance occurred for him. He is obviously a spiritual man because God, he's a leader. So when John is born, the people want to name him Zacharias and they ask what's his name. And Elizabeth says his name is John, which so she had clearly received. Mm -hmm. So then they ask him, they're like, no, we think it should be Zacharias. And Zacharias writes out, his name is John, and then he's able to speak, which I love so much that the Lord gives Zacharias another opportunity to receive him still. It is not the one and done. So if you struggle to be a good receiver, it's okay. It's a process. The Lord will keep trying, whether it be with him or with other people. But I just love that example of Heavenly Father recognizing our human nature, giving us a chance for repentance, and then still becoming a better receiver so that someday we can receive all the gifts that He wants to give us. So that was another just Christmas lesson that I just really loved from Zacharias. I really love that too. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, Lori, I've really appreciated this discussion, and it's been so neat to have it focused on the people that we read about, especially around Christmas. Mm -hmm. Is there anything more that you would want to share with the women of the church or the listeners of this podcast? Thank you for that opportunity. I've been so impressed recently from Heavenly Father with the vision of who the youth are. A lot of my life thinks about (laughs) teenagers Mm -hmm. (laughs) and even children because in just a year or two, they're teenagers. And I have felt so strongly from him that there are so many miracles that God wants to give us through his youth. But then also to remember a lot of you are the mothers of the youth. And when you hear President Nelson, who's called them the generation to prepare the earth for the Savior's second coming, you are the mothers to prepare the generation who's going to prepare the earth for the second coming, or the aunts, or the grandmas. And that's no small task. And so one of the most important things that I think we need to do is just to echo President Nelson to hear him and to receive promptings from the Holy Ghost. And as Elder Rasband has invited us to do, to be a first responder to those promptings. And so part of that, sisters, I believe, is to fight off feelings of guilt and shame and weakness because we all have it. We're like, you're flawed. Good job. Welcome to the club. (laughs) And look to him in every thought. He's a good receiver, and we can be good receivers. And as we focus and rivet our efforts to listen to the Spirit in our lives as we seek to raise a generation, 
And as we seek to contribute in the kingdom, whether it be in a career or in a calling or whatever your life means right now and whatever's happening, it's not by accident. He knows. And as you receive the promptings of the Holy Ghost, and as you receive the Savior's grace, which by definition in the Bible Dictionary is uh, an enabling power to do things that you couldn't do if you were otherwise left to your own means. As we receive the Godhead, as you receive assurance from your Father in heaven that He knows you, that He loves you, that He believes in you, and that He trusts you, miracles will occur. I testify of a God of miracles and of a world that needs more miracles and more Jesus Christ. And you know him. You've made covenants. You've messed up in your covenants. He's forgiven you. Get after it because we need more miracles. Lori, thank you so much. Thank you for being here with us and for sharing these insights that you've had on this topic. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. As we're coming up on Christmas, we'll be taking a break, and we wish you all a very Merry Christmas focused on the Savior with your families, and we'll see you again in the new year. We hope you'll continue to tune in and share these episodes, current and past, with your friends and family members. And we have been so grateful to hear from so many listeners via email and on Apple Podcast Reviews. We hope you'll continue to share your thoughts and feedback. Feel free to contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org with any suggestions for topics or guests. We also want to make sure our listeners are aware that the podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. So in addition to being on the church's website, you can also find it on the Gospel Library app, the Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, just about everywhere. So please tune in, subscribe, and continue to share these wonderful voices and stories of women of faith with your friends and family. We'd like to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, and our producer, Matthew Mangum, and the many others who support this podcast. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.